First of all, I bring you greetings from the saints of St. Jacoby Lutheran Church, Greenfield, Wisconsin, one of your sister congregations. We are separated by miles and temperature, but powerfully joined by the great love that God has for us in his son, Jesus Christ, our common faith and trust in him as Savior, and our commitment to do exactly what he said and teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. Happy New Year! Year. I'm not going out on any limb at all to say that if people greet you today, that is most likely the way that they're going to be greeting you. I don't think I'm also going to go out on any kind of a limb if I would say that except for inside this room, no one else is going to greet you this way. Happy naming day! But that's also what today is. It's the naming day of our Savior Jesus. For on the eighth day after his birth, in accordance with the Old Testament ceremonial law, which Jesus perfectly fulfilled along with every other law of God, on the eighth day today, he would have legally received his name, Jesus. I was reminded of that again this morning as I turned to my trusty one-year Bible. It's the devotional tool that I use to keep my nose in God's Word. If any of you have made resolutions to do the same, as Pastor pointed out in the devotional thought this morning, the, to listen to the voice of the shepherd, a one-year Bible can do that for you. Gives you some structure to follow. Uh, keeps you accountable. So mine started over again, of course, January 1st. It gives you an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a New Testament reading. Since it follows the layout of the Bible, the New Testament reading starts with the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. And if you know how Matthew, chapter 1, begins, it's the genealogy of Jesus. A listing of names. A true confession time. And I hope I'm not the only one. You're going along. You're reading your Bible. Because you know it's God's word. All of it. You know that he's going to use it to strengthen your faith. He said so. You know he wants you eating it up. And you can do that pretty much. But then come to one of the genealogies. Just a bunch of names. Very few you know. Some you don't even recognize. Half you can't even pronounce. You go, oh, I'm just going to skip it. Get onto the good stuff. But then your mind remembers the scripture that, that you memorized where it says, All scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You remember what Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees. You diligently study the scriptures because you think in them you're going to get eternal life. 
These are what testify about me. And you just you have this kind of spiritual inner turmoil. You want to skip it, but uh, it's God's word. I can't. You got to treat it with respect. Please. Please tell me I'm not the only one who goes through that. Am I? Thank you. Well, even if you're not like me or the others who nodded agreement, to, today I am going to share that spiritual dilemma with you because we're going to walk through a listing of the names that lead us to Jesus with the prayer to the Holy Spirit that he would help us to, to grow through it and, and grow in our faith and, and trust our Lord Jesus just, just a little bit more than when we came in today. So, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David. We're in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel was originally written to help the Jewish people to see and believe that Jesus Christ was their promised Messiah. And that's why when you read through Matthew's Gospel, you're going to see a long listing of, uh, uh, of Old Testament prophecies. This was done to fulfill what the prophet said. And then it points to, to, to Jesus. And, and Matthew does a great job connecting the dots between Old Testament prophecy and what Jesus did so that the Jewish people would be able to believe he really was their Messiah. It also explains the genealogy that we're going to be going through. It follows the family line of Joseph. Jesus' stepfather. But more importantly for the Jewish people, Jesus' legal father. It's all about the law. It starts with uh, Jesus, the, the son of Abraham. Now Abraham is a name you recognize. There's all sorts of things you can probably remember about him. He was a man of great faith and great weakness. Married to his wife, Sarah. Uh, followed God's command to leave his family. Pack up everything and just go to wherever God would tell him. And God said, I'll let you know where it is when I get you there. If you don't think that takes faith, try doing that with your wife. <laughs> your spouse and say, yeah, we're going and God will tell us. Uh, he also had uh, that, that uh, great love for people. Earnestly praying for all of the people in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, even though they were continually living their lives in defiance of God, Abraham prayed for them that they would be spared. But then he had his weak spots too. There was that time he went down to Egypt, was afraid that the, the people there might kill him because Sarah was so beautiful, so he lied to cover it up, got busted. Oh, and then there was that plot, remember, that he and Sarah put together to help God give them a son by committing adultery with Sarah's servant. All the trouble that that caused. But then he was, uh, he was willing to sacrifice that son when, when God told him to. That does take us to son Abraham was the father of 
Isaac. We know a little bit about Isaac. He was a, he's a good kid. Obediently lay there as the knife was coming down. That's pretty impressive. Obediently married a woman, sight unseen, that Abraham's servant had found for him. <laughs> That's kind of gutsy. Uh, but then he was disobedient to God, showed favoritism to the son Esau, was not going to give the birthright blessing to the one God said he was supposed to, which leads us to the next name, Isaac, the father of Jacob. <laughs> Think about what's in a name. There is a whole lot there. Jacob, the name actually means deceiver, and that was his life. Remember how he deceived his father and his brother to get that birthright? Made him have to run away, stairway to heaven, angels in a dream. He himself gets deceived by his uncle Laban, so he winds up marrying two daughters. And also has relations with their two servants, causing all sorts of trouble in that family. Yet Jacob was also fervent in prayer. Later he gets deceived by his own sons who trying to cover up when they sold their brother Joseph into slavery. But that leads us to another name, the next son, uh, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was uh, sometimes a good boy, a good big brother, but the Bible also shows him showing a, a really sad lack of Christian judgment. He visited a prostitute one time, only it wasn't a prostitute. It was his daughter-in-law, Tamar, whose husband had died and who Judah was failing to provide for. But that dalliance produced someone else, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, the pretend prostitute. Perez, just a name in the genealogy. Perez was the father of Hezron. Another name. We're not told anything in the Bible. Hezron, the father of Ram. Another name. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Another name. Abinadab, the father of Nation. Now we're just told that he was a good leader. Nation, the father of Salmon. Now, he's actually known a little bit, but because of his more famous wife. Salmon married a woman named Rahab. And Rahab was the lady who owned a house of prostitution in the city of Jericho. She was the one that hid the spies on the roof because she had known the name of the Lord, trusted that he was the Savior God. And this non-Jewish woman was then brought in to the Savior's line, marrying Salmon. Salmon then was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz is another name we know, and more because of his more famous wife, Ruth. There's a whole book of the Bible about her. If you want to read it this afternoon, it's good, easy reading. A wonderful love story uh, that pictures God's redemption 
of his people. But Ruth was a, a Moabite woman, faithful to her mother-in-law, Naomi. God used that again to provide for her, bring her into the line of the Savior. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed's just a name. Obed, the father of Jesse. Up oh, now this one we're going to know again. He has eight sons. And he's well known because of one of those sons. Jesse, the father of King David. So there's a name that you're going to recognize. There's a lot in the Bible about King David. God himself called David a man after his own heart. You look at David's life and you kind of think, oh yeah, he was the one who fought off the the, the lions and, and the bears to protect the sheep takes the giant Goliath down with one stone to the forehead, killing thousands of the Philistines to protect the nation of Israel. A lot of great things he did. And then his his fall to his arrogance, the time that he committed adultery with Bathsheba, then to try to cover up his sin, to hide it from people. He, he had this, this good, faithful soldier of his accidentally killed in the line of duty. David, the, the murderer. He's called man after God's own heart, not uh, because he always did things right, but when he did things wrong, he would come back to the Lord in repentance ask for God's mercy. He showed his faith by collecting all the materials to build the great temple, but was not allowed to do that, was given to someone else. David was the father of Solomon. That's another name that you know, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, that king who prayed to God for wisdom to rule the the nation, and God said, I'll give you that, and more gave him wisdom and wealth and power over his enemies. There has been said that there has no one been more wealthy than Solomon was, nor more wise, and yet he turned away from the wisdom of God when he married 700 wives and took 300 concubines as he wanted to be cool like the other kings were. And those women led him away from the Lord. We hope he came back before he died. But we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, he was a very foolish young king who in his arrogance uh, caused the, the nation of Israel to go into a civil war. From that time on, it was split into two nations, Judah and Israel. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. The Bible tells us he's an evil king. Abijah, the father of Asa, one of the few good kings. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, another good king. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, evil, idol-worshiping king. So bad, God gave him an incurable disease of the bowels. To make him suffer. See, Joram was the father of Uzziah. Good king. Got to reign for 52 years. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. 
one more good king, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, a very evil king. But you might know his story a little bit from the Christmas story. Because to Ahaz was given this prophetic promise. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel. He's an evil king who offered his, his sons to be burned in the arms of the idol Molech. And he gets that promise? <laughs> Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, good king. If you remember, he was the one who, when God told him, get your house in order, your time of grace is over, prayed and God gave him 15 more years. Cool. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, another evil idol worshiper. Manasseh, the father of Ammon, another evil idol worshiper. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Cool story there. He's called the boy king. Became king when he was age eight. And in his time, they rediscovered the Bible. It had been lost on a shelf in the temple with no one to read it. And he recommitted all of his people to be people of the word. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. So Jeconiah, the last king, they're carried off into exile. Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, just the name. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. He was the one God used to bring the people of Israel back after the exile. And now listen to a long list of names. We know nothing more. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadak. Zadak, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Nathan. Nathan, the father of Jacob. And finally, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus. So, what's in a name? We remember that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Remember that the scriptures are there to testify about Jesus. What can we learn from these names? If you want to write some of these down, if you're the writer, this would be the place to do it. Number one, you can't hide your sin from God. I wonder what Abraham or David or Jacob would have said to God if God had said, hey, I'm going to write your history in my Bible book. What do you want me to put down? Not that. Don't tell him that. But God did. And there's some awfully ugly sins that God revealed in those ancestors of Jesus. Can't hide your sin from God. I can't and you can't either. You know, we can try to make ourselves look better than we actually are, and the way we tell the stories shaded to make ourselves look good. We can try to make ourselves and our lives look so much better than they are on our fake book page. 
we can make sure that the family and friends only hear the good stuff in the Christmas letters. But God knows who we really are. And while we can try to hide our sins from people, you're not hiding them from God. He knows. And he loves you anyway. Me too. I think it's one of the most often overlooked gifts of God's grace that he does not put down into print all of our shameful sins for everybody else to read. Because I think if he did that, not a one of us would be here this morning. We wouldn't want to look each other in the eye. You can't hide your sin from God. What else can we learn from our long listing of names? Number two, acts of faith are pleasing. Pleasing to God and inspiring and motivational for God's people. Some of those names that I read brought to your mind the Bible stories and the, the heroic acts of faith. And kids, if you're in peace, kids, you'll, you'll learn those as Bible stories. They're motivating, they're inspiring, and, and they, they, they build you up. And so maybe something we could think about for ourselves is, are there any acts of faith that I could do that would be motivating, encouraging, and inspiring for the members of my family? or the members of my, my church family. Because acts of faith are inspiring for God's people. Number three, what can we learn from the names? You're never a nobody to God. A few of those names were highlighted. They come from the Heroes of Faith chapter in the Bible too. But... Many of those names didn't even register, did they? And if you even heard them before, you probably forgot them, and you'll probably forget them before we go out of this building. They're, they're just names to us. But not to God. God knew each one of those people personally. He chose to write their names down in his Bible book. And he used them in his plan of salvation, whether we know anything about them or not. And brothers and sisters, the same thing is true for you. You are not a nobody. There are times in our life when we might feel that way. Like we've messed up things too badly this time. Maybe we, we don't think there's anything we can look at or point in our life that would be inspiring to anybody. Or maybe you have someone in your life right now who's doing a good job of making you feel like you're worthless or a nobody. But you're not to your God. He knows you by name. He summoned you by name. You get to call him Abba, Father. And whether you realize it or not, he is using you in some way in his salvation plan for you and the people in your sphere of influence. And he chose to write your names 
in the Lamb's book of life, you are never a nobody. Number four. It's all about Jesus. It's always all about Jesus. Did you notice that in the genealogy? It began, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and it ends, of whom was born Jesus, who's called Messiah. Begins and ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream to assure him he could take Mary as his wife. Because what was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. He said, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus on his naming day. Because he will save his people from their sins. He was not given a name that was meant teacher. There are all kinds of things that we can learn from Jesus. But how to live and how to be a blessing to other people. But there's no way Jesus could teach us to earn heaven because we can't. Only he could. And Jesus was not given a name that meant coach. As though he could correct all our mistakes during halftime so we can come out and win the big game. Because we can't defeat sin, death, or the devil ever. Only Jesus could do that. He was not given the name that meant doctor. Although he could fix and heal every disease, he didn't come to do that. Nor was he given the name that meant farmer to produce free food for everyone. Although he could do that, he was not given a name that meant guru or influencer try to make this world a better place. He was given the name that meant Savior. Because that's what we needed. Jesus' family line is filled with messy people. Because he came to save messy people. Let's admit it, brothers and sisters, you and I are messy people. But that tells us we are saved messy people. And because of that, I can now wish you, from God, a real happy new year. Because the sins of 2022 are forgiven and forgotten. And whatever you're going to be brought to in 23, you will be brought through by God who loved you enough to give you his son and name him Jesus, Savior. Maybe these genealogies aren't so bad after all. Amen.